Everything she'd earned had been through sheer sweat and grim determination. Heather hadn't needed a man's intercession since she was sixteen, and the boys she'd been crushing on had tried to feel her up in the bathroom hallway of the famous Spago Beverly Hills restaurant. Her daddy had chased him off, then promptly enrolled her in martial arts classes. No one was coming to save her. She was a soldier in the United States Army, and if she was going to survive this, she must find a way to save herself. What would be so wrong with a little help, though? Just this once. What do you know of the Maspagonis? he demanded again. Nothing, she could have told him. Who? No answer at all would just get her hit again so she forced the word through cracked lips. His growl sent fear chasing down her spine. She clenched her eyes and waited for the blow. It didn't come. Instead, he left her on the floor as he stomped from one end of the cell to the other. Even through her blindfold, she felt his frustration and fury. Heather rested her forehead against the concrete, focusing on breathing. Just breathing. Three weeks ago, she had been in Eshma, on the southwestern boot of Azakistan, acting as an interpreter for the local civil affairs group. A series of car bombs, strategically placed around the Ubadah government center, had taken down the building and left 400-plus victims in its wake. The tragedy overwhelmed the meager medical facilities. Government cars, taxis, even rickshaws transported victims to other area hospitals for treatment. Emergency medical supplies had to be trucked in from around the country. Interpreters calmed family members, located relatives, and either reunited them or consoled them in their grief. Heather, fluent in three languages and conversant in two more, volunteered. After twelve days of relentless effort, the chaos resolved itself into patches of misery, pain, and despair. Heather helped where she could, but began to turn more and more to her job, gathering information. She passed among the women who spoke to her openly, telling her things she never would have heard from male Muslims. Rumors, gossip, complaints, and praise were all noted, catalogued, and filed away for future reference. Dirty slut! My shoe is on your head! Her interrogator kicked her. Heather didn't bother to move or react to the deadly Arabic insult. And she would not, would not, scream for him. August 15th, 11.42 p.m., Congregel Terrorist Training Site. Headquarters immediately nixed the idea of an airstrike to take out the Scud, a Russian-made short-range tactical ballistic missile. The R-17 Scud B's range made it capable of launching an attack virtually anywhere in the Middle East, which made its possession by the Congregel beyond dangerous. But the Special Operations Command refused to authorize it, even for a threat as extreme as the Scud.
Jace almost threw his satellite phone out into the darkness. He'd pulled his men a hundred yards or so from the insurgents' camp, to the outcropping of rocks and scrub trees he'd designated as their temporary command post. With the perimeter guarded by the Sandman and Mace, it left the rest of them free to communicate without risk of exposure. Damn it! He knew why, though. So did Archangel, next to him, who parodied his version of the Azakistani government's inflexible stance on permitting the United States to bomb terrorist targets within its borders. Chase! While the Azakistani government is well aware that U.S. Special Operations Forces operate within our borders, and while we completely rely on you doing our dirty work for us with the clandestine and very dangerous missions you carry out that save our asses over and over again.